Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fowles. SCOPE, a newly formed student organization at Ohio State, joins me for this episode. I will let them introduce themselves. So if each of you can say your name and just a little bit about who you are. Hi, my name is Danny, and I grew up in Dublin, Ohio. I'm the social media coordinator. Um, currently, I'm working in a medical laboratory here in uh, Central Ohio Hospital. Hi, my name is Liz. Um, I'm a third-year civil engineering student at Ohio State, and I'm treasurer for SCOPE. Hi, my name's Ivan. I am uh, going in for an associate's in mechanical engineering, and I am a server at the Cheesecake Factory, and I'm an outreach coordinator for SCOPE. Hello, my name is Lydia. Um, I'm a dual-degree seeker in women's gender and sexuality and public affairs with a minor in Latino studies. I'm a third year. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm the president of SCOPE. Hi, I'm Edward Baldo. I'm a welding engineering student, third year. Um, I'm the vice president, and I grew up in Dublin, Ohio. Okay. Well, welcome to the studio, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. You are dreamers and hold a DACA status. That is, you came as young children, as undocumented immigrants, and now hold a temporary legal status that allows you to work and go to school. Tell me about your experience as DACA students. So for me, I guess, since I'm the oldest, I'll go first. Um, I started uh, my pursuit for higher education back in 2013. Um, so in 2013, DACA was still very new. Um, we didn't have very many resources, and kind of like trying to go to college was it's it kind of seemed like an unobtainable task at the time, just because um, there wasn't policy in place that um, basically said you could apply, uh, fill out certain apl applications, um, and get into school. Um, and also um, getting in-state tuition was um, very new. Um, so it was really hard back when I started. Um, I th I've noticed that things have gotten progressively a little bit easier for everyone. And there's more resources now open to those who hold DACA. Well, I'm actually her younger sister, but also DACA. Um, so my experience was a little different, kind of new from watching my sister go through the steps of applying for DACA, like what my life was going to be like once mm -hmm. I turned of age to apply for DACA. So when I turned 15, I applied right away and I got a job right away. And I knew it was still going to be hard. I knew um, there weren't a lot of scholarships for me. There, weren't, there wasn't financial aid federally. Um, so my main goal was to just work as much as I could throughout high school and college to save up and pay it just out of pocket. Mm-hmm. I think for me it was the opposite train of thought, per se. Um, I did start going to work at like 16 and ever since I've been working. But uh, my end goal wasn't to go to college or pursued, uh, proceed, uh, pursue any higher education. To me it seemed impossible just because since an early age I was um, told that it's going to be, yeah, kind of impossible. But um, 
collaborating with people so far, everyone else around me, knowing that they are also DACA, like mm-hmm. myself, and seeing that it's possible, I think um, really opened up my mind to uh, more possibilities. Can I ask a follow-up question there, mm-hmm. Ivan? Um, so you mentioned that um, you didn't think there was any possibility, sorry, that the journey uh, maybe would be really hard yeah. uh, for somebody with your status. Do you do you feel or do you find that there's more people um, right now that are DACA that, that think that way and that maybe they just haven't given the right opportunities or information or maybe they haven't made the right connections? I think so. I think there's a, I want to say, I don't want to, I hope it's not a 50-50 divide or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. I still feel like there's people like that that think that um, it's kind of out of the reach. That college is not for them. And Mm -hmm. um, going back to what I said, um, it really just depends on the mindset that you're in and who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. Um, Like these, for people right here, really... Mm -hmm opened up my eyes in a way. I think it's important to note that sometimes even um, growing up, our parents um, being undocumented, they would give you the hard truth. And um, for me personally, when I was seven years old, my mom told me that I couldn't go to college and that kind of like, don't ever tell a seven-year-old girl what she can and cannot do because she will prove you wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and at that time, right, uh, there wasn't much. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so I now I know like where she was coming from. But as a seven year old, it was pretty crushing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lydia, I think for me, um, I grew up in a different kind of household. Um, my father's a college educated man. And so like for him, it was something like education, education, and, like and being undocumented didn't really matter to him about that. He was always a hardworking man. And something he would, me and my younger sisters, like, go to college. But for me, it was, like, um, when I was 10, I decided I wanted to become an optometrist. And, like, I had, like, I went to a college um, preparatory middle school. So, like, for me, that was, like, a big thing that, like, they installed in us college um, graduates not high school graduates college Mm -hmm. graduates and to me like that always stuck and I always said I wanted to have a college degree and I knew that I was undocumented at that point when I was 10 and it to me I really didn't care it didn't matter because I wanted to be a college graduate and so my parents were very encouraging as far as like going to college but it wasn't like something they could actually help me with one they never had gone to a college in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and doing it as like then an undocumented person would have been like different so to me it was kind of like this mentality of um i will try very hard in school because from the time 10 years old to when i'm 18 applying for college is eight years of changes so Mm -hmm. potentially there could be a could have been a legislative change which in a sense was daca for me so it was kind of like more of a I'll keep trying really hard until mm-hmm. something happens. And if not, just keep pushing through. And to like speak to one of the aspects that you're talking about, um, that you introduced us as far as like DACA, allowing um, a temporary status to work and go to school. Mm-hmm. I think there's also an aspect of talking about the fact that they're before DACA and after DACA, mm-hmm. because it's a temporary fix, there is undocumented people that were going mm-hmm. to college. And I remember like hearing about it on the news and being like, there's hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have eight years to grow. Right. And for me, it's kind of been like a roller coaster because uh, <laughs> in middle school, I 
never really wanted to go to college. I was just kind of like following, I guess, the path that my I saw my dad in and like mm-hmm. uncles and stuff like that. So I was like, I guess that's what I do. But later on, I learned that college was a possibility. But like everybody else said, your parents encourage you and, and all of that. But they don't really know how it works. So it's mainly up to you to like figure everything mm-hmm. out. So that's that's something that's been quite tough. And I've made a lot of mistakes off of that, but I've also grown a lot from it. So mm-hmm. I'm appreciative towards it. Right. So, Lydia, you mentioned that, you know, the DACA status right now is temporary. And because of the presidential order in 2017, it ended the possibility for new DACA eligible young people to apply for this status. So many high school and college age students are now undocumented and many come to our campus in search of higher education. Tell me about some of the hardships this students face. Whether or not they could have applied to DACA because it was rescinded, they were still undocumented. They mm-hmm. didn't become undocumented, which right. is like a misconception of like a lot of things. Like people were undocumented. Like I mean, there's a difference. But I think one of the hardships that students are facing and it's kind of similar to even being a documented student on campus is one, there's no resources as far as like financial aid, mental wellness and support, or even like a space that people are able to even just talk about it because like um, um, being undocumented is stigmatized in any circumstance, whether it's your family um, classroom spaces or like politically. And I think also there's um, this barrier as well that even being on like a large historically white college is one of those things where it's like everybody's like set in life in a sense. Like mm-hmm. They don't really think about how everyday people that they see in their classrooms are going through a tough time because of whatever it is. Because it mm-hmm. could be non-academic um, facilitated. And the problem is that since you're at an institute where education is the number one thing, it's like everything else is like there's a mentality at Ohio State once a Buckeye in the Buckeye Nation, but, like, what is every individual Buckeye going through? And as, like, a DACA and undocumented person, because, like, you can't separate them, even though there's a divide of, like, people having a ability to have this protection. They're still, at the core of it, it still comes down to the fact that we're facing the same things, mm-hmm. other than the fact that um, you can... Um, lawfully work in an establishment. There's mm-hmm. not really much of a difference other than the fact that students that are undocumented in the state of Ohio can still have institution depending on the institute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think okay. having the ability to work legally is one of um, the greatest things that DACA has given me. And it's really unfortunate that the students that were too young or too old to apply for that guy didn't get. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really big life changer for me, even though there is modes um, to still work, even undocumented, like my parents work and they're undocumented. Mm-hmm. But I think there comes a certain stigma with getting paid under the table. Right. And it just kind of like, it's a more like, it feels more official. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here as a student, like if you're a DACA or undocumented student, like you you mentioned, Lydia, there's not a lot of differences in, in terms of what you get or the type of challenges that you might face. For example, um, something and you mentioned, like maybe the rest of the student body doesn't have to think about that or, or 
um, doesn't have to deal with this, right? So for example, some of the opportunities that a DACA or an undocumented student might face would be that they couldn't um, travel, right? They can't travel abroad. So the um, study abroad opportunities are not a possibility for them, um, among other things, right? But uh, but that's one, right? That Or maybe certain uh, careers, right? If you're going to work... Um, uh, for certain government uh, jobs, um, like criminal justice or something like that, um, that that was your career dream. Well, in you, as a as a DACA or undocumented person, um, that's not a possibility for you at this moment, right? So those things are are real, um, and and then so then you have to choose something else, right? Uh, and and maybe leave that passion behind. Do you, any of you want to comment on on that? I mean, I know sometimes too depends depending on the state. And you mentioned this, Danny. I think before, in a, in a conversation we've had or a presentation that certain um, licenses for like medical professionals are also um, not uh, available for for a person with a with a degree that has a DACA status, right? So license. Um, for nursing or something like that, um, there is requirements that if you're um, a, a DACA person, wouldn't be able to produce. Yeah, I think it's definitely important to note um, before you start pursuing something, what kind of limitations you might have, because that's definitely true where, um, I don't remember what the specific state was, but there was a state that wouldn't give out nursing licenses to undocumented or DACA um, students. Um, so I think it's very important to do research before you start pursuing and inve- investing your time and money into something. Right. Um, I think, um, and uh, this is, I just saw recently too, there were certain um, uh, uh, exams, right, that are also... Uh, requiring certain documentation and students that don't have that they can't so the for graduate school it's it's slowly going away but the GRE is one and depends on also on what state they require a certain um, identification right or proof of citizenship or something like that um, which obviously a person with a DACA status doesn't have and so that they can't take that that test which means they can't go to graduate school right because if that's a requirement for that graduate uh, program then that that's not no longer available for them I think a different test that a lot of people don't talk about is a CDL exam like to be able to drive a truck mm-hmm. um, a lot of states and I'm, I'm not sure if I think there are a couple states that will let DACA students or people get a CDL license, but it's really hard to get one, and a lot of this, a lot of states prohibit it. Mm, so, as a DACA person, you can have a driver's license, but maybe not a CDL, right? To drive, drive a commercial. commercial. Mm-hmm. 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 So, those are the things, right, that we don't think about or we don't talk about um, that are still roadblocks, even when you have um, a status that allows you to be here um, and enjoy maybe certain privileges, like working or something like that right that that are still um out there as um yeah roadblocks mm-hmm. um how did scope get started is it only for latino students is it only for daca or undocumented students 
So I kind of had something to do with it. Um, I received a group me message from Yolanda Sepa, the vice provost of the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, about somebody that was new in Ohio or in the Columbus area. And I didn't really know much about this person. And this person kind of, um, when I met them in February of 2019, um, we kind of talked about what they have been doing as a um, undergraduate and graduate student now, or now like a, I guess a regular working person. And one of those things was he talked about the um, two organizations that actually were scope organizations, um, student community of progressive empowerment at um, when he was an undergraduate student in Texas, and then later as a graduate student, he was an advisor for a scope at the University of Michigan. And it kind of kind of snowballed from there. Um, we had previously, us five in particular, and other students that um, either identify as DACA or undocumented on campus, had been meeting um, with administrative people, and it wasn't necessarily working. And then um, there happened to be a networking night, I want to say in March or February of 2019. And that's kind of where we actually took the opportunity to actually network and kind of go from there as far as like actually saying we're going to start a student organization. And I think one of the key points in starting Scope was that this current political climate allowed for that to happen. I don't know if it would have happened if we would have been under, um, and I don't even know how to say it, like if somebody, a political um, representative that um, was for immigration rights or laws or reforms or anything like that, because it didn't happen under the mm-hmm. Obama administration as far as we know, but uh, because there's been students out of Ohio State there were undocumented or DACA. Mm-hmm. It's not like we just popped up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. We've always been here. It's just this political climate has allowed for Scope to thrive apparently in three states now, Ohio mm-hmm. being the third one. Anybody else want to add anything? Um, so I think that the current political climate is giving an incentive to network again. Um, so it's pushing um, people to kind of fight the current um, president, if that's what you want to call him. Um, <laughs> I think that that's a good thing that has come out of it is people trying to fight for something again. Yeah. It's like we're uh, coming together again. Well, I think it's, it can be summarized as a scope is the result of people wanting to do something for other people, not just themselves. So they like, being fed up. Exactly. Because, like, as a DACA Mm -hmm. recipient, like, I would feel kind of, like, isolated, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't really have an open community that I can go to or, like, talk to. So, like, I feel like we all have these, like, repressed repressed feelings of, like, wanting to be better and, like, support our community. So, like, I think Scope is just, like, the voice that, like, allowing us to do that. 
Mm-hmm. It's offering the space to come exactly. and discuss those things that exactly. maybe other people wouldn't understand or um, and even ask for advice, right? So you've done this. How did you accomplish this? Or how did you do this, right? And which um, people, even like me, I'm an immigrant, but I didn't. I don't have the same path as you, so I have limitations and uh, um, to what I can, uh, what type of advice I could give, uh, or any other person that does not have your experience, right? Um, we all learn and learn con- continuously, but it's not the same, right, as, as being able to be open with other peers and talk about what's going on, um, you know, in, in your lives, and which, which is more than what just happens here at the institution and in class, right? Um, I have been able to go to some of your meetings, and uh, last time that we were, you know, we had a game and, and, and you guys uh, were playing a game and, and asking this really real questions, right? Like, how would you about dating, right? We don't we don't think about that. But how would you, um, you know, the person that you choose to date, for example, um, are they sensitive? Is their family sensitive? Uh, are you able to uh, continue having a relationship with somebody whose family is not sensitive to um, your situation, right? Um, uh, so, I mean, it's it's those things that are that are part of you being college students too, right? Your your dating life is part of of you're in this age, you know. Um, so it's not just schools, but it's also family, family things, uh, family things that happen or work. Uh, most of you or all of you are commuters. Um, and, and I would say, if not all most undocumented and DACA students that are currently here at Ohio State are commuters and, and work also, right? Um, so there is a lot of uh, things that the organization can offer, um, in terms of support, in terms of just coming and 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 being and and being able to be real about what's going on, yeah. you know, that struggles that you might be facing that other people might not um, understand. I mean, because at the end of the day, we're we're humans like anyone else. Right. We're not some something that isn't human, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Right. right. So we all have um, we all live the same life. We all have like the same thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. so it's no different from anyone else and everything yeah. yeah yeah so i asked is this so right now there's five of you here and you are all latino uh and you happen to be all from mexican descent but this but scope is not just for latino students correct i think the so this is just a stat so i don't remember if it's eight or nine out of ten docket recipients are their origins are Mexican. Mm-hmm. And so the most likely person that you'll meet those documents or documented is going to be from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting stat about um, that around 900,000 um, undocumented people in the U S are of African descent. Mm-hmm. And who what gets more attention is going to be that um depending on what estimate the 80,000 or 800,000 DACA recipients and scope isn't it's not supposed to be um racialized mm-hmm. because one latino isn't um isn't a race but also the fact that um being undocumented is across countries around mm-hmm. the world it's not necessarily just because um we happen to be latino that our focus is going to be based on um 
Latino undocumented students who get a lot of the support and a lot of resources that undocumented um, um, students that are from African or European or Asian descent don't get because mm-hmm. a lo- all the resources are going to con- countries, states in the U.S. that are, are highly dense with Latino populations. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think n- moving forward for SCOPE is going to be like a very huge thing, that there's students out there that literally don't have any actual resources or support because right. they're made for Latino students. And that's something that SCOPE doesn't want to happen because as being undocumented is tough enough, but being actually undocumented and not having resources because you don't fall into the checkbox of the eight or nine um, Mexican people of the eight or nine DACA recipients of Mexican descent is it just doesn't fall into our mission and philosophy because we're trying to create a community of students that are uh, create a community of students that serve undocumented and DACA students, but in a sense. We're also moving us far from that those wordings because it puts into students of I'm DACA or I'm undocumented, mm-hmm. and that's not what we want to create. And creating a name like Scope Student Community Progressive Empowerment, it's a universal name that doesn't doesn't put us pin us against each other. Of like I'm a Latino descent or I am an African descent, like it doesn't, it shouldn't, it should not generate um, racial boundaries. And as far as like having allyship um, in the organization. That's something that moving forward is going to be important for us right now. It's about creating a space for us mm-hmm. first because we can't have a space where we're having outside influence of other people's agendas that they think is good for us because that's been the problem. People aren't listening to us. Mm-hmm. There, There's, of course, a, a great thing with allyship, people speaking on our behalf and um, them having giving us a voice and platform but it's mm-hmm. also there's a needs to be a balance of okay now you need to need the you ne- need to let the people that actually are being affected speak on their mm-hmm. own issues so as an i mean you were you're saying that the organization serves uh DACA and undocumented students but you're also inviting people that are that do not necessarily hold those status but that are allies and as allies we need to know when to use our platform to speak on your behalf and when to listen. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you doing this year to bring awareness about the organization and to provide resources uh, to other um, students across Central Ohio? And I know you have uh, a partnership with Columbus State. Um, so what, what else are you doing to sort of um, help others? I think right now um, we're trying to gain um a following so um people don't know about us very much right now um so it's been a little bit hard to get the word out there um and recruit so right now we're focusing on recruiting i mean a lot of the meetings that we've had have also been beneficial just as a lack of recipient for example we had um a legal workshop mm-hmm. where a lawyer came in, an immigration lawyer came in to talk to us about alternative ways to citizenship, and um, she even helped us fill out renewal forms. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also had a money-making workshop where mm-hmm. we had a vacuumented entrepreneur come in and talk to us, kind of share his experience of how his entrepreneurship has gone with like by being documented. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so they've, we've had like opening conversations right. to try to educate right. our students. And that are, that are not always centered about um, you as a college student, but you as right. more or right. even in the future. Like after what, school. Right mm-hmm. at, yeah. what, what's after, right? We've always talked about being an organization that isn't just for students, that isn't just for students at Ohio State. Because mm-hmm. we understand that being that guy, you're going to come from all walks of life. You're going to have different circumstances. Mm-hmm. But either way, we share this status and the situation that affects us in every way of our life, no matter if we're a working professional or a student or if we're just like a caretaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to add anything else? Uh, so I started at Columbus State, and over there, there's a very large population of uh, DACA, documented students. Yeah, there's, like, no actual group. And so, like, we want to bring, try to bring every type of uh, student and, like, every everybody, everybody around Columbus that's DACA or undocumented into, like, a single organization that can, like, work together to better our situation if that makes sense mm-hmm. or just like form community mm-hmm. empowerment and exactly yeah. empowerment and that's like one of our ma- major goals like Liz said we're or Danny said we're struggling a little bit with recruitment mm-hmm. but we're new and there's like I feel like there's untapped uh, areas that we need to focus on a little bit more such as like the workforce and uh, just in the general public. Right. So, yeah. And that I assume um, in, in the plans, and if it's not in the plan, maybe <laughs> it will be in the plan, <laughs> is to reach out to high school students, right? There is a lot of high school students that still think what Yvonne mentioned earlier, that there's mm-hmm. that they won't get in or that there's no um, – chance for them to go to uh, uh, the university, right? Um, so that's a, another population that maybe needs to be reached reached um, to and include in this organization, as part of this organization, right? Yeah, that's right. But one of the issues that we have is, like, none of us are undocumented. We all have DACA. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's hard for us to understand their issues and, like, what they are going through. So, like, we can't really offer, like, firsthand experience, if that makes sense. So, like, we don't actually know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. We're just, like, kind of... We have an I idea. Guess, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess we can offer support, but we yes. don't have any resources, really, mm-hmm. because we all have LACA. Our resources are for LACA students, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that we will never have resources for undocumented mm-hmm. students. And, like, maybe those undocumented students bring resources to right. us that we share. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, let's... Last fall, you presented at the Latino Education Summit at Kent State University. What was this experience like, and why is it important to talk about these issues with other higher education institutions across Ohio? I think it was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, one, to be presenting at a, like a different institute and traveling a little bit, in a sense. Um, it was an all-day thing, so it was kind of fun to connect with the SCOPE um, community or e-board, in a sense. But it was also interesting to sit in a room or stand in a room actually and present to people that um, are kind of they know they do know or they really know Mm -hmm. and it was kind of interesting seeing that mix because um, and seeing people that are in Ohio higher Ohio higher education um, because like it would seem that like there's nobody interested but there really is people actually interested because the people could have chose to go to a different presentation and they chose to go to ours 
it, they had some interesting questions. Some of them were just kind of like, okay, that's a good question. And some there was like, hmm, that's a really good question to ponder. Mm-hmm. And also, like, there's there was it seemed like there was a need also for um, connecting not only with us but starting something similar. At, and and that's in that particular circumstance at Kent State because um, Scope is the first organization in the state of Ohio to be up, out in public um, for specifically for undocumented DACA students. Mm-hmm. And there's a there is a great chunk of us. It's, we're not California, <laughs> but in Ohio there's there's so many resources that are available but we just don't know because nobody's connecting. If we're the first or, first organization to do so, nobody was actually like publicly saying this or that. Right. And I think there's also like and there's a lot of underground movement of it, but of course that's not reaching the mass population of students and I think us having an organization speaking at different conferences like we will be um in March of this year in California to present issues that are unique to Ohio um in particular because we're left out of the conversation all mm-hmm. the time. The Midwest and in Ohio mm-hmm. is are left out of the conversation because there's not a huge drive Right. I believe um, there's another stat. Um, I want to say nine out of 10 um, undocumented people in general. So the 11 million estimated people live in the state of California. Mm-hmm. So n- nobody's talking about undocumented people in Ohio. In Ohio. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things, right? It, it always comes down to numbers. Mm-hmm. And, oh, well, there's not a lot of them. I mean, it's just in general, like, well, you know, the Latino student population at Ohio State is only this. So therefore, that we justify maybe not having resources or not having a space or, you know, X, Y, and Z. And the same thing happens with um, documented students, right? That, oh, well, it's a small number, right? Um, but but you do matter and you do um, uh, want that connection with other students. You do want to reach out and you do want to make maybe um, things a little better for other students um, based on your own experiences and, and, and what you can offer, right? And, and then, like you said, um, uh, Liz, um, even though you don't have the resources for undocumented students right now, it doesn't mean that they couldn't bring their own, right? That they couldn't bring what they've learned or what they've done um, and share it with the group and help others in that way. It's like a like a potluck per se. Yeah, <laughs> a potluck right information. You bring yeah, what you have. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what types of events do you host? and hope to continue to host in the next year. And again, I'm a fan about uh, that that um, event that you had a couple of weeks ago about relationships because I thought it was just fun. Talking dating. <laughs> Talking Name about drop. dating, yeah. <laughs> so we had a dating and backup workshop. We had Making Money Moves Monday. Um, we had a legal workshop with an immigration lawyer. We painted for mm-hmm. a night. Um, it was the start of the semester. We really just wanted to get to know each other a little bit better. So you have both like um, sort of tangible resource uh, events, but also social gatherings, which it's fun also. Both of them are important. What else do you have planned for the rest of the semester this year? So the next event is going to be a networking night where staff and faculty are able to connect with students in a safe space. Uh, This was created because personally, like, I wouldn't feel fully comfortable going up to a professor, like, like, in the classroom, I guess, and, like, telling them about my situation and stuff like that. So having this opportunity to connect with the professors better. 
uh, would be beneficial. For example, like um, recently I was, I'm trying to look for internship. And because some internships require you to be a U.S. citizen, mm-hmm. like it's tough like, trying to find one that fits for you. Right. And so I guess like having that personal connection with the professor could definitely uh, help you out with that. Right. And, If they know that, then they'll they'll know which internships exactly. to to suggest rather than mm-hmm. other ones. Okay, great. Um, any other events coming up? Our last event is a study session Okay. Um, for study finals week. Study session Sunday. Study session <laughs> Sunday, yeah. So it's not going to be on a usual Monday that you have. Oh, Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then mental wellness, Mar- wait, March mental wellness. I like renamed them all, so let's let y'all know. They're cute. Great. So then uh, similar events um, you're planning to do in the next academic year. Yeah, and maybe taking suge- suggestions from other uh, members that come mm-hmm. in and, and want to talk about certain issues, correct? Definitely. Think, yeah. yeah. Is there anything else you want to add um, to this conversation or want our audience to know about you or the organization? So I remember um, looking up some statistics for Ohio State when I was a freshman mm. um, for the College of Engineering. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing like Hispanic females being like 0.1% of the College of Engineering and just Hispanic in general being like 0.3%. Um, but with Scope, I've actually met like a decent amount of Zaka minted engineering students, mm-hmm. which has been so cool. Like I'm mm-hmm. so proud of just any student in general, but it's just really cool to see that there are other students facing like the same workload that you're also experiencing as an engineering student. Mm-hmm. But they're making it. They're making it possible. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. It is possible. That's, that's a good message. Anybody else? <laughs> I guess as a closing, you want to let you guys know that Scope is open to anybody that's willing to support DACA and undocumented uh, students or people in general. Okay. And uh, yeah, we're inclusive and we want to support and help in any way that we can. And how uh, should students or whoever is interested connect with you? Um, we have a, an Instagram. Mm-hmm. We also have a group me mm-hmm. and we're always sending out emails. Okay. What's the instru- Instagram scope address? Scope.tosu. Okay. And our email is scope.tosu at gmail.com. Okay. Great. <laughs> Um, gracias por esta conversación y muy buena suerte en el futuro de esta organización. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima.